Good morning. So, your theology is wrong, doubting can be destructive, and you are going to have to live with doubt for the rest of your earthly life. Feeling encouraged yet? <laughs> so, buckle up, my friends. This is going to be a bumpy ride through the theology of doubt. What is constructive? What is destructive? And how on earth can we help each other to respond to doubt? We're going to start with probably uh, the most challenging scripture on doubt in, in the Bible. Uh, it comes from the book of James, uh, chapter 1, verses 2 to 8. Uh, I'll read it for you. My brothers and sisters, you will face all kinds of trouble. It's a good, it's a good start. <laughs> and just listening to what Andrew's been sharing, you see the reality of that play out in some of our lives. One of Jesus' promises that James is echoing, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. James goes on, when you do, think of it as pure joy. Your faith will be put to the test. You know that when that happens, it will produce in you strength and the strength to continue. And the strength to keep going must be allowed to finish its work. And then you will be all that you should be. You'll have everything that you need. If any of you need wisdom, ask God for it. He will give it to you. God gives freely to everyone. He doesn't find fault. But when you ask, you must believe. Verse 5, it says, you must not doubt. People who doubt are like waves of the sea. The wind blows and tosses them around. And a man like that shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. He can't make up his mind. and He can never decide what to do. Are we feeling any more encouraged at this point? <laughs> what, is, what is going on? How can all these things be true? How can it be true what Carenza was sharing? That if you ask, you receive. And yet here it talks about uh, we must not doubt or we're not going to receive. I hope that we'll be able to unpack this and, and get a bit more of a sense of, of what's going on. And partly it comes down to what do we really mean by doubt? If you ever sit on a jury, if you work in a court, and um, when you're asked, uh, is this person guilty, we talk about beyond reasonable doubt, which almost implies that there must be an unreasonable doubt. There must be, you can say, well, this person's definitely guilty, but what if actually, secretly, they're an alien from Mars? And, and <laughs> you can imagine that might constitute an unreasonable doubt in that sense. So doubt is one word that actually covers quite a lot of different things. Part of my job is as an academic, and, and I teach my students, you know, it's good to be sceptical, to be curious, to be able to doubt statements that seem unlikely to be true, to be able to engage with that, to use our heads. Is that kind of doubt wrong as well? I think we need to understand what was it that James was saying. So when we go back and we look at the Greek text, because was, James was writing originally in Greek, and when you transliterate it, it, it reads like this. For let not suppose that man that he will receive anything from the Lord, a man two-souled, unsettled in all the ways of him. And it's using this analogy of two-souled, of actually having um, a, a complete absence of faith and a complete absence of fear of the Lord, 
So we know if you read the first few chapters of Proverbs, a lot of it could be summarized as the fear of the Lord is the start of all wisdom. And this passage in James is talking about how do we get wisdom from God? Well, the Old Testament and the New Testament tells us it it must start with a sense of fear and reverence of God and of faith. In the beginning of Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so there is faith with doubt that many of us may have. And there is this idea of a duplicitous doubt that actually, well, maybe I'll just pray to all of these gods and and I don't really believe in any of them. I have no sense of faith. And so when it comes to doubt, there's there's two types that I want us to think about as an analogy. There's the doubt that walks away from God and says, I'm not going to look to find my answers there. I'm going to look elsewhere. And there's a doubt that turns and that walks to God. I believe, but help my unbelief. Do you remember that story? That story uh, in Mark chapter 9. The father uh, brings a demon-possessed son and the disciples have been praying for him and they'd got nowhere. And he takes him to Jesus, says, Jesus, help. Jesus says, do you believe? And he says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus goes on to, to heal his son. And that kind of doubt, that doubt that is an honesty with God, that says, do you know what, Lord? I have this level of faith, but I have all these other questions. You know, that is not the doubt that James was talking about. So whilst doubting can be destructive, it's not always the case. It's not always the case. So to go back to my opening statement, I also said your theology is wrong, and actually so is mine, but I hope not in everything. Because the reality is that you are not perfect and I'm not perfect. Sometimes we change our minds. There's many things we don't know the answer to. And we need a humility here. Because constructive doubting can lead us towards more truth, actually. The reality is that none of us know everything. None of us are God. When we look at the responses in in the global church that we make to people doubting, there can be two extremes that that I'm going to suggest that are not ideal. One of them says... All doubting is bad. Actually, if you doubt, you just need more faith. You're not allowed to doubt. Stop questioning. Just, just have more faith, and then you'll be fine. Shh, don't, don't ask those questions. And what's happening there? It's a fear. It's a fear that if you ask the questions, you'll reach answers that make you feel uncomfortable, or that you don't like, or that God somehow is not big enough to handle your questions. But that's not the God that you and I know. Jesus says in John 8, verse 32, this. He says, the truth will set you free. So when we ask questions, when we seek the truth, Jesus' promise to us is that the truth will set us free. So we don't need to be afraid of questioning. We don't need to be afraid of, of our questions and our doubts for God because he's big enough to handle them. It's not going to bring him down, the questions and the doubts that we have. He, he can take it, and he does know what is best. So if that extreme is bad, perhaps the other extreme is also not helpful, and it's coming from a good place. It's saying, 
do you know what? We're all fallen people. We need to love each other. And all doubting is good and should be encouraged and we should go on doubting together forever. And I would say that that's coming from a good place, but there's more to life, that God can help us to move on. If we leave each other in a continuous circle of doubt around the same issue again and again and again, that's not necessarily a kind thing that we can do. And it's not life-giving. It gets us stuck in that rut for year after year with no, no sense of uh, growing closer to God. Think of Jesus when he responded after his resurrection to what we call rather unfairly now doubting Thomas. And he says this in John chapter 20. Because you have seen me, you have believed. But how blessed are those who have not seen me, but still have believed. So doubting about an issue is very understandable. But how can we help each other to move on? Do we actually want to move on? Is this your hundredth and seventh time on an alpha course asking the same question? One of the, one of the answers, my friends, is that you're not going to receive all of the answers that you want in the way that you want them, not on this earth. Let's look at some scriptural examples of this. Uh, Job, uh, in the Old Testament, he asked essentially for 36 chapters questions of God when he was having a really, really tough time. And God answers him in Job 37. And do you know what he does? He just asks a load of questions back to Job. He gives indirect responses. Doesn't really actually directly give Job the answers he wants in the way that he wants them. Think about uh, the burning bush and Moses in Exodus chapter 3. He says, right, I'm going to go to the people. Who should I tell the people is sending me? What's your name, God? I am who I am. Well, I will be whosoever I will be. That's not perhaps the answer that Moses was looking for. Right at the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 29, verse 29, it says this, The Lord our God keeps certain things hidden, but he makes other things known to us and to our children forever. And he does this so that we can obey all the words of his law. So some things, in essence, are hidden from us by God. We need to get okay with not knowing. After all, what kind of all-powerful, superior being would God be if we as mere humans could fully conceive, define, and understand him? He's beyond that. He is beyond language and beyond words. And whilst we get a taste and whilst we can know more, we're not going to have all of the answers on this earth. There is a role for faith, and ultimately, all worldviews involve unprovable beliefs. And essentially, both Christians and non-Christians would, would, would sign up to that. So we learn that to be fully human means to be comfortable with the discomfort of never fully knowing. This discomfort of doubt. Because if you haven't got faith, you're not really a Christian. But if you've never had doubt, you're never really a human. (laughs) So, at least part of our theology is wrong, but hopefully lots of it is right. Doubting can be destructive, but there is also a very much constructive side to it. 
and we're going to have to live with doubt for the rest of our life, but no longer than that. So, <laughs> constructive doubt. It can be an invitation to grow into our faith. Consider how if you uh, have children or if you've been a child brought up in faith, what you see as these children grow into teenagers, 20s and 30s, is they start to challenge their inherited faith. They start to question and they start to doubt. And in many cases, that leads to a deepened faith. That can lead, uh, as we walk through doubt together, to actually a greater sense of connection with God. Fyodor Dostoevsky um, said this, I love this quote, It is not as a child that I believe and confess Jesus Christ. My hosanna is born of a furnace of doubt. Now, those are the words of a man who, who has had a lot of years thinking through, praying through some of the difficulties and struggles in his life and coming out of it with a faith. So it can be part of the journey of faith that we're on. Um, think about someone with a new faith, the, the blind man that was healed by Jesus. Uh, and we read this in John chapter 9. He was healed by Jesus, and then afterwards he was questioned by people what had gone on. And he says this, whether he is a sinner or not, talking about Jesus, I do not know. But one thing I do know was I was blind, and now I can see. He's on that journey. He's on that journey. Madeleine Lengel says this, I will have nothing to do with a God who cares only occasionally. I need a God who is with us always, everywhere, in the deepest depths as well as the highest heights. It's when things go wrong, when good things do not happen, when our prayers seem to have been lost, that God is most present. We do not need the sheltering wings when things go smoothly, but we are closest to God in the darkness, stumbling along blindly. So we have doubts, but how can we help one another? What can help us when we have doubts? I want you to just take two or three minutes to talk to the person you're sitting next to, and ask them this. When you've doubted something in your life, it can be about God, it can be about a, a personal thing, what has helped you? When you've doubted something, what has helped you? Just take two minutes, ask the person next to you that question. When you've doubted, what has helped you? Go. All right, let me stop you there. I know that is nowhere near long enough, but it might just start us to spark these conversations. I want to share a few thoughts with you before we finish uh, on maybe how we can help uh, each other with doubts. The first one is a verse from uh, the book of Jude, verse 22. It says this, be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to those who doubt. Do you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, judge those who doubt and look down on them. That's not what it says at all. It says, be merciful to our sisters and brothers who doubt. So that gives us a clue as to what our attitude should be. Secondly, if this is something for you, I'd suggest we identify and we name what that root doubt is and we bring it into the open. It can be a, a lot of different things. Sometimes it can come from, from disappointment for me, this is often the case. When I doubt, when I look back, it's because I'm disappointed with what, what God has answered my prayers with. They weren't with the things that I wanted him to answer. And when we're disappointed, we can lead into a deepening faith or it can lead us into bitterness. 
So we need to identify what the root doubt is. Thirdly, we can seek wisdom. We can pray. We can seek it directly from God. We can seek it from the Bible. Faith comes from hearing the message, which is the word of God. Fourthly, we can learn stuff. God has given us brains. They all work wonderfully, and we can use them. We can use the wisdom and the knowledge that other people have written, that have put into videos, people here that we can talk to. Fifthly, if we are going to doubt, we need to doubt our doubts as well. We shouldn't elevate their status beyond the other beliefs that we hold. We need to be consistent. And sixthly, we need to journey alongside people to seek answers. If somebody comes to you with a doubt, we do the mercy thing. If we give them a one-line pithy response, that's probably not going to help them because they probably have thought of that already. So there is a journey as we walk alongside our brothers and sisters with this. Seventhly, we stand on God's promises and what faith we do have. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. His promises are there. And faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways we may not understand at the time, or indeed at all on this earth. And eighthly, draw a line under it and move on. There comes a point where we've thought about an issue, we've wrestled with it with God, and actually we're going around and just having the same thoughts again. It might be that we say to ourselves, I'm going to put this down. And maybe I'll come back to it in 12 months' time. In fact, I'll put a little note in my diary to come back to it in a year. But this thinking, this circle of doubt, is not helping me. It's not helping those around me. Let's not be stuck in this place forever. Joan of Arc said this, One life is all we have, and we live it as we believe in living it. But to sacrifice what you are and to live without belief... Well, that is a fate more terrible than dying. We're never going to be completely free of doubts on earth, just as we're never going to be completely free of sin. But we can be more faithful and more free of doubts today than we were yesterday, and more faithful and more free of doubts tomorrow than we are today. For this is our faith, our hope in Christ, the hope of glory.